did how did you come up with this concept for your project? How how did you go? Hey, where did this come from? Yeah, for me, this show was kind of its own being. Um, I always always describe it as I was just somebody who fell in the snow and it just kind of snowballed and just got bigger and bigger and I was just stuck in there for the ride. Um, I feel like this show had a life of its own. It was just a sketchbook idea when I was in school, my senior year of college, and it was just my way of practicing storytelling without getting too bogged down in details and structure and, and you know, all these little things of, okay, what's the plot? Where is it going? What's going to happen to this character? I didn't want to do that um, for this little sketchbook. It was just a practice of tell a story without expectations and just, and I did it in comic book form, so it was just panel to panel. And it was just starting the panels and letting whatever the last character said or did dictate what would happen next and just let mm. them tell the story and not have an idea of this is where it's going to end or this is what this one you know, issue is going to end. Um, I had no expectations for the characters. I just, it was my way of practicing story without really getting in my head about it. And it was, I had Garbage, which was a character I created a little bit prior to that, where it was just, I wanted a Corgi growing up, and it was something I've always wanted. I, I liked their little stockiness, I liked their little feet. Um, they're just really awkward to look at when they're running. Uh, they're just fun. And I knew as a pure breed, I'm not going to get this, this dog in reality. I can't um, so I drew him out as a cartoon character. And then for whatever reason, I don't know what me in that spacesuit. And I was like, okay, I'll do, I'll do this little comic about him, about a space dog character. I'll give him a little friend or two and just send him off into space. And, and that's it. That's all I had. And so I just went panel to panel. And I showed that to my peers at school. I would take the sketchbook to work. I was working at Starbucks at the time. And I'll just leave it in the back, back desk. And, you know, showed it to family members. And it was everybody's constant request. Like, do you have any more pages? Do you draw any more pages? Any more pages? Or... Oh, I really love this character. I love Tony's. Or I love Garbage. Or I loved when he said this or when he did this or, or whatever. And it's just, okay, cool. Like, I'm getting constant feedback. I'm getting demand to continue it. Otherwise, I probably would stop very early on. Um, but people kept asking for more and more. And so that's what I did. I kept writing this, this little comic book and the sketchbook. And then when I graduated, it went from 12 hour days of seniors' films. You know, working until like 3 a.m. senior studios trying to finish his senior film to nothing. You graduate and you're done. Yeah. Now, there was just nothing. And you, you're you animating all day. Every waking hour of the day, you're animating. And all of a sudden, you're doing nothing. And it felt like you were going to fall behind. It felt like you were in trouble. You know, like all that, all that stress and tension and anxiety that you get from looking at, you know, 
me the end of the semester and where your progress is now and like, oh crap, I need to hurry up or I'm on time on schedule. All that still is in you. So you feel like you're falling behind because you haven't done anything in a couple of days. Um, so what I did to try to counter that ugly feeling of, of falling behind on the other was to do a pencil test of garbage turning towards camera and just waving. And so, you know, I did I did on paper. It was just a very rough animated little scene. Parents on smiles and waves. And I posted that. And I just asked people, you know, do you guys want to see more of these little test, you know, animated scenes? Um, and people, people responded so strongly. They really genuinely thought I was starting some kind of a show. And, and then I got peers that graduated with me reaching out and like, hey, I want to help. Hey, I want to help. Hey, I want to help. I said, oh, okay, cool. Like, I have people that want to help out on this. Maybe this is something I can push farther than just a pencil test. Uh, pencil test is just where you just have paper, you do a little pencil, animate it, mm-hmm. and that's it. You don't color it. You don't ink it. You don't anything. It's just more of a, let me, let me, let me do the animation pencil rough and then let me shoot it just to get an idea of what it looks like um that's what i was going to do was just a bunch of pencil tests but with peers wanting to come in it was very much okay i can do more um i got like a little animation tool. it was like okay you can ink it you can color it you can do a background uh, that's what i'm thinking for the background um, and then it was just well i don't have any else for these people to work on but I have so many that I want to, to pursue this more um, what can I do so at that point it was I need a story plot I need something tangible and for me it's okay well what if I what if we do a trailer where it's where it's, it's something that would play on on TV you know and it gives you know most trailers get the premise of what the story is going to be so I had to come up with a plot at that point. And it's like, okay, what's the plot? I came up with Garbage and his owner and that kind of relationship of wanting to get home and that dog aspect. And then that's the story. And then the plot being, you know, a dying earth. And that's the reason why we have these dogs in space. And that's why they're able to talk and astronauts and still live in a world with humans. Like, I had to find a reason why there's a talking astronaut dog that wants to get home from home. And so I had to like figure out a reason how he came to be and he's not just a normal dog. So it's genetic enhancement. They send out dogs. Earth's dying. They have to find a planet and bring, bring the location back. Um, so it was that. And I was like, okay, well then that's the story. Let's make this trailer. Um, and we did. We made, I, think it, I don't remember how long that trailer was. Probably a minute, maybe less than a minute. Um, and it just goes over this idea of it's fine, there's something out there, you're going to do great type of situation. It's supposed to be Chelsea's voice narrating over all these different images we're getting of this launch and then getting all that set up. And then the last, last shot is garbage turning to camera and waving from that pencil, the initial pencil test. And so it's kind of like we didn't hint at any dogs until that very, very last scene. 
and that's his boxing space. And that's that's what we did. And um, from there, it was it was very clear to me. I think there's a lot here. I think this is worth pursuing as an actual show. Um, and at that point, it was just okay. Well, you know, I know what it takes to do a pitch bible, given what I learned at in school, and then what I've learned from reading all the art, art books of Once Upon a Radio Show, Stephen Universe, um, BoJack, uh, and just okay. I need you know my pitch bible. I need the you know some character concept designs. I need concept art. I did a pilot script for the show. Um, my friend Ray from high school we were in music, we were in garage bands growing up for yeah. several years. After after high school, he went to go learn music at, you know, from university, and then I went to animation. So I reached out to him. I was like, hey, can you do a theme song? I'm thinking like Saturday morning cartoon vibes, you know, uh, R Ranger, guitar riff solo stuff in there. Uh, these are the lyrics that I'm thinking about. You know, keep it around, keep it in this realm of stuff and you know, some play on words. And he wrote the theme song. And that was in the pitch that I took to Netflix. And that's the official song that you hear in the uh, opening that's, sequence. That's so awesome, man. Yeah, and he was a co-composer on the show. So, you know, he got in. Um, did an amazing job. And... Yeah, I got, I got all my stuff ready. It was about two and a half years of just putting that pitch bottle together. And then, coincidentally, you know, that's why I feel like this show has always had its mind of its own and had its own, like, like it became alive and then it just went. And I was just yeah. along with it. So, like, even right when I was done creating all the pitch material, my friend Ray, who wrote the new song, he reached out and said, hey, I, I became buddies with the guy and, I, and he works at Netflix and he's an executive who takes pitches for family animated series uh, and films and stuff. Do you, do, you want me to, do you want me to mention anything about you? And I was like, you know, I'm actually ready to pitch. Um, yeah, let him know I exist and I have something if he wants to look at it. And a couple weeks went by and Ray was just like he, he said yes. He just he just told me it better be good because this is like this is the only time it's gonna yeah. take us to looking at something. Um, I was like great, cool. Um, he gave me his email, and I was just like, mm, you know, I'm getting an email, an executive email. The chance of him <laughs> looking at all my material through an email is very unlikely. It's gonna fall lower and lower in his to do list on his emails. Um, eh. You know, I, I'm thankful that he'll even look at it. So cool. I sent him everything I have. Um, and then about two weeks later, uh, I got a phone call from Netflix and they wanted me to go pitch in person. So there you go. I did that. And yeah, that went that went okay. I, I did the big no no that they tell you not to do. Um, <laughs> which is not to read your pitch bible to them. And I went in, and there was this new executive in the room that I didn't know of, who I didn't send my material to, uh, Megan Casey. And so it was very much like, oh, I don't know if she's read this stuff yet. Um, 
Mm. So I started explaining the concept and the characters and, you know, I'm showing her like my, my pitch Bible on turning the pages. And then halfway through, I realized, oh, oh crap, I'm reading the pitch Bible too. <laughs> and that's a, that's a big no, no. Okay. And I try to figure out a way of getting out of reading and just started asking or answering more of her questions. And once I allowed her to talk, she said, oh, I, I really like this, and I like this one character, and I thought it was funny if this would happen to this character. And she started going off, and I was like, oh, crap, she can do this, and she knows it pretty damn well. Um, and so I did that. They said, okay, cool. We just wanted to make sure you weren't a crazy person. I was like, okay, cool. Um, and I left. <laughs> and I was just like, well, I'm thankful. I got to go to the next Netflix building. I got to be inside. I got to go to the show. Yeah. If nothing comes out of it, nothing comes out of it. Because at this point, I haven't, I don't have any animation experience in the industry. It was very much, I graduated with my degree, and then it was two years of me trying to find anything like storyboarding, character design, you know, sending out resumes to places and I'm not getting anything back. And at the time, I was working as a forklift driver at a factory that made um, the pigment mixture for traffic traffic feet, so like the yellow and white you see on the streets. Yeah. That's where I worked. Um, as I was working on this pitch in the background of the free time. So I knew they the likelihood of anybody giving somebody a show when they have absolutely no industry experience was unheard of. It's like cool. I got two pitch, I'm grateful. And then another two weeks went by or so and they called me while I was out of work. And they're like, oh yeah, we want to, you know, we want to let you know we want to we want to buy your show. So oh yeah, this is crazy. That's one of the things that I I remember when I was working in LA. You would hear people's stories, and they were like, one day they're struggling, you know, and like you know, I work in five jobs, or what was it Zach Galifianakis? I can't say his name. Zach Galifianakis uh, was living in his car, man. You know, he was literally living in his car and then all of a sudden hangover, you know, and it's like game changer, you know, and yeah, you, you don't know how close you are to your dreams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know? What's this, this guy? Wayne uh, Wilson. Book. And in his book, he, uh-huh. he talks about how he lived in this, he lived in this car and he lived in an abandoned warehouse. Uh, while he was in school, acting school, um, he couldn't afford anything. And, you know, Lance, Lance White on in the office, and that's it. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure he was working part of that, I'm sure. But, yeah, I think he was also in, like, a Galaxy Quest and stuff like that. But, he was in Galaxy know, Quest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was living. He was living out of an abandoned warehouse, you know. So <laughs> that's see and see. And, and the thing is, is it's like the importance of of everyone's like believe in your dreams, believe in this. But it's like it's like it. One of the things that's really important, I think, is 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 remembering to hold your vision, mm-hmm. holding on to that vision, because it is so easy to get pulled down different paths. And to pull off of, 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 of what your journey is because everyone's, everyone's journey is different, you know, and, and there's a million different ways that different people have done it. But can you stick with your way? I think it's so important. 
Ah, 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 ah.